Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Chicago Bears lose an awful game to the Minnesota Vikings 19-13 at home and limp into their bye week now 5-5. Five five. I bring on Windy City Gridiron's video analyst and one-stop shop expert Will Robinson, also known as Whiskey Ranger, to help me process this tough, tough game on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I've got a treat for you guys tonight as in the wake of this terrible, awful, no good, very bad Vikings game, I've got none other than Will Robinson, commonly known as Whiskey Ranger, who makes plenty of Bears videos, sounds like myself, and I love it, uh, here to talk through a rough-and-tumble Vikings game where the Bears picked off a pass, forced a fumble, got a kickoff return, and it just wasn't enough as the offense sputtered once again under the command this time of Bill Lazor. We'll start with just opening thoughts. Will, how you feeling on this Monday night? I am feeling a little bit under the alcohol at the moment. Speaking of which... There you go. Mm -hmm. That's it right there. That is my mood (laughs) right there. I completely understand. I mean, when this game got moved to Monday, especially after Tennessee, and I opened the phone and realized, oh boy, we're on Monday Night Football, this is kind of what I was starting to expect. I was like, okay... The rubber is going to have to meet the road between either the Bears offense succeeding or Cousins getting his first Monday night win literally ever. Why do I feel like Cousins getting his Monday night win is more possible? And unfortunately, it was. As the Bill Lazor offense seemed to start with another nice script. I mean, that's not unusual. We started with a nice script against New Orleans, started with a nice script against Tennessee, and then the offense sputtered and died a pretty horrible death as it never it didn't get in the end zone, right? like I'm remembering that correctly, that they kicked two field goals. The uh, Cordero Patterson ran a touchdown into the end zone, but we ended up touchdownless once again as we are now also quarterbackless with both Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles hurt. And it's a pretty rough moment here heading into the bye week. Not a ton to be super positive about. What I mean, am I, am I reading the tea leaves right here? You... <laughs> You absolutely are reading the tea leaves right. I just, <laughs> I'm having a hard time seeing anything about, especially this offense, to see anything positive in. I mean, the defense, the defense played like the defense. I mean, they lost to Keem Hicks, which not They played good. a great game. They really did. They, like, that's, that's what's always sad about these, is that people will say, I, I heard it already, that we need to fire Buster Screen into the sun. And I'm like, Buster Screen got beat twice by Adam Thielen, who, if you ask anybody should beat Buster Screen. 
Like, that's very normal. One of them, by the way, was an outstanding one-handed catch that's incredibly difficult because screen was in the right position. I know that we're in Chicago. I know that we love, 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 love great defense, but holding the Vikings to 19 points on a crappy night in the in Chicago, that's a great defensive performance. And it all went to waste because we couldn't do anything on offense. In fact, we probably enabled the Vikings to score as much as they did. I had this sad moment of realization as the Vikings lined up to tie the game instead of going for it on fourth and three, where I was like, I would do the same thing. Take the points because the Bears aren't getting any more. So at least you lock in that you're not going to lose and you can go go to work trying to win it afterwards. I mean, this is a this is a tough team to watch. One of the toughest I can remember in history, including the John Fox Bears, because at least I knew the Fox Bears were bad. But at 5-1, to one, I didn't think we would end up here. You know? No, this team it feels like this team should be good, and it just isn't. And it's wholly depressing. <laughs> like, you, you watch this defense go out on the field every single game and play their hearts out. They hold teams to... 10, 12, 17, 19, 20 points, and it's just not enough for this offense to actually win the game. So they're left to rely on special teams or gimmicky plays or whatever to try and win, and it just does not work against decent teams. And that's not even that I think that the Vikings are a decent team. I don't think that they are. This is not a good defense, and this offense could not do a thing against them outside of scripted plays. And it's just disheartening. Oh, super disheartening. Because once again, and this has been a theme here now for a couple of weeks, what are you going to say, Will, when I tell you that Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings ran for a paltry three yards per carry, which I bet I could go back and look. I would bet you money that that's the lowest of their season because between Tennessee, New Orleans, and now this game, the Bears' defense, known for being weak to the run early in the year, has even bowed up and gotten good against that. I mean... There's there's a lot of positivity to have about this Bears defense, dot, 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 if it had an offense. And you talked about how there's nothing to be positive about. I'll counter you this with something that I was talking about in the pre-show, but I might as well bring it up. There is one thing to be positive about. So <laughs> going into this season, yeah, you're laughing because you know what I'm about to say. Yeah. Going into the season, I was adamant that the number one thing that we needed to see from Nick Foles and this Bears offense was an answer about what to think about Matt Nagy. Was he good? Does his scheme hold water? And if there's a bright side, it's that we're getting our answer in an emphatic no. And if that's the case, then we start to take a look at Ryan Pace, whose bright idea it was to bring in one of the NFL's least mobile quarterbacks and put him behind an offensive line of Charles Leno, James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, a cast-off from Seattle named Jermaine Effady for veteran minimum, and Bobby Massey, with Rashad Coward as the first offensive lineman off the bench, and Pace shrugged his shoulders and said, yeah, that'll be fine. That's a good plan. And here we are. Foles is hurt. Mitch is hurt. Tyler Bray is our quarterback number one, and we have we haven't had an identity in a year and a half. Like that's not new, but it might be about time to hit the reset button. Which again, four weeks ago, that would have been wild. If anything, I was making the case just alongside Bill Zimmerman that uh, what is it? Beating the Falcons with that quarterback switch, beating the the Lions with that epic comeback led by Mitch Trubisky, grinding out a win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, beating a good Panthers team that's contended with just about everybody, even though they've lost the majority of their games. Like there was a lot to like about the direction this team to be going in, and it has turned around. Like the ship 
almost does it feel sank to you here at five and five like do you feel like things could turn around in the bye week look logically i know that absolutely things can turn around they always can this is the nfl and we've seen it happen plenty of times before but in my heart it feels like this team is just done it really does and it's hard for me to see how they can dig their way out of this without making drastic changes and i don't see any way to really make drastic changes at this point in the season same one thing that also throws me off and makes me really big time sad i was thinking about this right so if you take a look at the nfc north standings and (laughs) if you think about it you know where i'm about to lead in the packers are seven and two bears are now five and five minnesota now four and five lions also four and five when we come back off the bye if the lions beat us and minnesota wins a game we could be in last place in the blink of an eye and that's absolutely wild to think about given where we were in 2018 that we might be back at the bottom almost almost as fast as possible given how much we've spent and if i sound upbeat about it i hope i don't come across like i'm enjoying this obviously <laughs> i'm not it's just a little shocking like I'm sitting here almost winded at the amount of hustle the Bears put in to get so bad so quickly on offense where it felt like in 2018 at least we were a plucky team that tried a bunch of cool gimmicky things and some of them worked and some of them didn't. And you know what? If we just saw that next step from Mitch Trubisky, this offense is going to really explode. Then in 2019, we came back. Uh, the scheme or the scheme seems good, but Mitch does not. So we've really got, just got to get another quarterback and we'll see this whole thing blossom. And here in 2020, it's starting to look like Mitch Trubisky was the reason that the scheme looked as good as it did and before anybody hears that and says oh you mean Mitch is good no I mean teams have been telling us that they've been just trying to make Mitch play quarterback for years since 2019 that's what what is it the Packers defensive back no going all the way back to 2017 I think Darius Slay said something to that effect and when you watch the Falcons game you'll especially see it they just left a ton of stuff open for Mitch and we thought it was Nagy's scheme And here with Foles, it sure seems as if those holes have dried up. I couldn't believe the amount of times, Will, that I saw Foles take a sack and thought, Foles, get rid of the ball. Nobody was open. Wow. Nobody was open. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, It seems like occasionally they do scheme guys open. Occasionally you do see that. But more often than not, it's on the scripted plays where you see that happen. So once again, this is a team that can play well when it's scripted and then when it's you know just calling the plays as the game goes along taking what the defense gives you they just can't muster anything decent so yeah i agree with you that teams were basically just letting mitch play quarterback and just uh, he's not going to hit that so whatever don't even bother covering it just try to get in his face because you know he's not going to handle the pressure very well so it yeah it's just it's hugely frustrating this is a team that yeah, it has problems at quarterback. Nick Foles obviously isn't the answer. Mitch Trubisky wasn't the answer. God knows Tyler Bray is not going to be the answer. So, it, you know, I mean, the offensive line, also bad. So it's just, it's, <laughs> it's there's nothing that is going to get fixed this year. It sucks so bad. I mean, what I keep finding myself just 
almost laughing and then i get really sad about is that the jets are outscoring us like we're we're getting to the point where the bad teams like the dallas cowboys field garrett gilbert and a bunch of dudes with cd lamb of course and amari cooper Mm -hmm. and they're scoring 19 points on the steelers and here we are i think we put up a total of six offensive points against the vikings six then we went into tennessee and we put up none in the majority of the game and yeah, it was all it's garbage so bad. Like, <laughs> I mean, guys, I, I understand that I'm higher on Foles than most, but even Foles isn't like this bad. Like this is no. No. this is taking a, a, a heap of talent that isn't very talented and doing worse with it than Adam Gase is in in New, New York. I mean, this is something else. And it's super sad to watch, especially given that the play calling managed to not feel any different. I understand that I was one of the people saying play calling is kind of a group effort. Like whoever picks the plays, like most of them are pre-selected before the game. Found that out from Bobby Peters, who if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. Dude's a super, super smart football mind. But I didn't expect it will to look the same, especially they're starting in the second half, especially in a what was it? Negative two yard third quarter. Like yeah. there, there were so many things where I was like, "Did did anything change? Are we sure it's not nagging?" It definitely like, didn't feel like it. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're just sitting there watching Bill Lazor not being able to figure out that pressure's coming on third down, over and over and over. Seven man blitzes, like yeah. you, they'd show it too. Yes, I mean, and then when he finally got wise to it, they backed out and they baited him into into throwing a screen pass, which just went for nothing. It, it was and, insane. And I sat there watching that, by the way, Will, and I couldn't believe it. Because somebody actually asked me on Twitter. They were like, is this is this a fool's responsibility? And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Because three years ago in Philly, he had audible privileges and would see it and audible away from it. So I don't know if he's not allowed to audible or if he's being told that something else is coming or what's going on. Because it's incredibly uncharacteristic of Nick Foles to not leave himself a hot route amidst a seven or eight man blitz. And I'm well aware that he missed a guy like, what was it, Darnell Mooney on the early blitz slant over the middle. Like he's definitely been a rattled version of himself and I will raise my hand and say, yeah, it's it's not even been since since about what what do you think? Because to me, it's about Carolina Rams ish, especially Nick Foles has started to look like he doesn't trust the team at all. And he's just trying to survive mm-hmm. every Sunday. And you almost wonder whether that attitude was smart because he didn't survive this one as grim as that sounds. And it's just been such a sad season for everybody under center. But number nine, number 12 has had a sad season. I mean, uh, so, so, so much to the bemoan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the Rams game was the big turning point. That was when just that game was just embarrassment personified is the best way I can put that game. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Nick, Nick Foles was, I mean, he was audibling early on when he took over. So it seems like he's allowed to do it. He's just not. And I'm not sure why that is, whether he's not seeing it or whether they whether they decided, no, don't audible. Maybe he got in the doghouse after that whole Brian Greasy thing about, you know. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, Matt Nagy sending in plays that he knows won't work and whatever. <laughs> it's incredibly tough to say, but... I'd, 
honestly, I'm just I'm tired of watching him sit there, throw off his back foot, sail passes, throw behind guys constantly, mm-hmm. and then miss his hot reads. He missed at least four or five hot reads tonight, and then on plays where pressure was coming after that, Bill Lazor just quit calling plays with hot reads. Yep. I mean, this has been a sad affair. And the bright side about this, again, is sure, we could go with a quarterback change, but we've kind of been down that road already. Yeah. And, uh, and, and if you want to join me in this form of dark positivity, <laughs> you can remind yourself that if the Bears do start losing a bunch of games, they will enter 2021 with a still pretty darn good defense. Sure, they'll have the husk of Robert Quinn, who might as well be the invisible man on the defense, but they'll also have Jalen Johnson. They'll also still have Kyle Fuller, still have Eddie Jackson, still have the the penultimate Roquan Smith that I didn't think we were ever going to see. Oh, he's looked and great. And he's been, he's been nothing short of spectacular, right? Yeah, he's been one and, of the best inside linebackers in the league this year. It's been fantastic to watch. Yeah. So so envision that the Bears go 5-11, and 11, right? Mm-hmm. The NFC East does the unthinkable, and some of them win games because they have to play, what is it, six against each other? Yeah. So they win some games. The Bears end up, let's say, like 12th, maybe even as high as 9th in the draft order, and they have their pick of either, let's say, uh, what is it, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones. So they can reset at quarterback. They go into the second round. They beef up the offensive line. Keep that up in the third round. Maybe they add a weapon like a running back at the fifth. Like, throw the entire draft at the offense because this thing looks bereft. Then Cohen comes back off injury. James Daniels enters the lineup again. And you know what? As silly as it sounds, doesn't that already sound so much more palatable than what we're watching at this point? It does in part, but unless Ryan Pace gets fired or someone decides to lock him in a broom closet for the first day of the draft, uh, I'm not really sure I trust him picking a quarterback in round one it's like you can let him out on day two he's he's money in the second round but first round no thank you third round hit and miss fourth and fifth round fantastic fabulous so i mean yeah i'm not sure what they need to do whether they need to invest more in their top end scouting or just get more guys in the room so you hear more opinions maybe get your coaches more involved in the decisions i'm not sure but he has just been terrible i mean the nfl like on a whole has about a 50% hit rate in the first round and Ryan Pace is sitting at about a 25% hit rate and that hit is Ronquan Smith. Yep. And it's and yeah. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh so what I think is trouble for Ryan Pace if I was going to try to think about it, right? is that Ryan Pace's record at the moment isn't exactly sterling. Like, he took six years to generate one playoff appearance, and if this Bears team doesn't make the playoffs, that'll be six years, one playoff appearance, no playoff wins, and potentially as many as four losing seasons, I think. Uh, I'm having trouble remembering the first three, but maybe that's just me blocking it out, and I wouldn't blame myself. (laughs) But so, at that point, Ryan Pace will be, and I quote myself, the guy who... Drafted Mitch Trubisky on a trade-up. That didn't work. Hired Matt Nagy. That didn't work. Dra- or, like, hired John Fox. That didn't work. And a slew of other things that I could go through, like handing $70 million to Robert Quinn. That didn't really work. Permel McPhee. It worked for a little bit, and then it failed. Uh, and a whole bunch of other things that, again, like, it's not that hard to build a case against Ryan Pace. No. And as much as it would stink to change GMs, because I admit, it's terrifying it might be the only option because what do you do with a guy that missed on the coach and the quarterback 
sometimes it is that simple. Am I crazy? No, no. Um, here's the thing. On the whole, when you look at his drafting, Ryan Pace has not been bad. He's actually been pretty good on the whole. But he's missed on the big things that GMs need to hit on in order to be successful. He's missed on a quarterback, and he's missed in the first round. And then when you look at what he's done in free agency, it's kind of maddening because he's both been aggressive and not aggressive. It's like he seems to be aggressive going after mediocre players and then just lets good players just walk on by. Like, the only time I can really think of him being truly aggressive wasn't really in free agency. It was going after Khalil Mack, mm-hmm. which, fantastic. The whole 2018 offseason was super aggressive yeah. to the point. Yeah, like it was all in. Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Khalil Mack, like, tons of dudes. Mm-hmm. And they all got, like, tons of money, too. Yeah, and Robinson was... Robinson's a good example of where, in hindsight, it feels like he was aggressive, but then you also have to remember he was coming off an injury, too. So there was no guarantee he was going to come back and be the same player that he was. So a lot of teams were kind of eh, a little hesitant on him, which that seems to be the kind of player that Ryan Pace goes for. A guy that might come up big, but it's kind of a risk. Yep. And if there's one thing that's always driven me bananas about Pace, it's that if I went line by line and like judged the people that he picks, I actually don't hate his eye for talent at all. Like, I actually think Ryan Pace's personnel selection is pretty doggone good. James Daniels is not a bust. No. Cole Kmet, at the moment, I saw a stat today that said that not counting Kmet's yards, because I don't know how much he had. I can only remember what the tweet was today. Uh, rookie tight ends as a whole have 460 yards in total this season. Oh, yeah. Last season, by now, rookie tight ends had 1,300 yards. So... Just take a look at that and know that this offseason has smoked rookie tight end production. So Cole Kmet at the moment, he may only be a single, but he is looking like a technical hit. Jalen Johnson, as close to a home run as possible. Nick Foles, not a bad backup slash starter if he had an offensive line. I really believe that. Cody Whitehair, good selection out of the second round. I could keep going. You're going to agree with me. Like, even Jimmy Graham, he's been way better than I anticipated. Maybe not $9 million a season better, but way better. In the passing game. But I'm already hinting. In the passing game. In the passing game. In the passing game. But but I'm already hinting at my big problem because it's value, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's not selecting David Montgomery. It's trading up for David Montgomery. Yeah. It's not selecting Mitch Trubisky. He's the consensus top quarterback. It's trading up for Mitchell Trubisky, which, again, everybody is going to say, like, you got to be kidding me. You wouldn't have been have had a problem with Trubisky's trade up if he was a hit. And you're correct. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't. And and I can't say I wouldn't have had a problem with it if it was a hit and then subsequently not mention it, given it's a miss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trading up for Anthony Miller. Did, was that worth it? I mean, there's tons of this stuff that you could go through with Ryan Pace. I'm not even going to mention the Leonard Floyd trade-up because I actually don't really have an issue with it. That whole 2016 class was a total mess, and Floyd's not exactly a terrible player. But it's it's always been with Pace that he'll pay a little more than maybe he needs to. And when you see what he does in the fourth and fifth round, I'm shocked he doesn't trade back more because he's able to turn a guy like Darnell Mooney into the Bears' second, like, number two wide receiver, and I don't know why he doesn't want more of those bodies around. Oh, yeah. I mean... Middle rounds, fourth and fifth round, he's fantastic. I mean, what do you got? You got Mooney, you got um, 
Eddie Jackson, yeah. Tariq Cohen, Jordan mm-hmm. Howard, Bilal Nichols, like just to give you a few. Yeah, God, even Dion Bush is fine, and mm-hmm. you know, Nick Kwiatkowski got a big contract somewhere else. Adrian Amos quite literally paid his draft value back in comp pick. Like there, yeah. there's a ton of hits in those middle rounds. Yeah, he's great in those rounds, but he, <laughs> yeah, he just he he has this pathological need to go and get his guy. And he's willing to give up draft picks in order to do it, and he does it. I wouldn't have a problem with it if he did it rarely. If there was just one guy he fell in love with, gotta go get him. Fine, I'll understand that. I won't eat your lunch for that. But he does it constantly, every single draft. And most, well, some of them work out, some of them don't. And some of them are just kind of met. Like Anthony Miller, I still have no idea what he is or what he's going to be yet. He's not a bust. No. Like, that seems super unfair to... He's just uneven. The guy who... Let me take a look at the stats. I actually think Anthony Miller might have been our highest producing receiving receiver this evening. Uh, Probably. Which... Yeah, take that for what it's worth. Uh, Uh, No, Allen Robinson. Oh, wow. He snuck in there. And and Miller had a a whopping total of 28 yards, so Hmm. I don't know what my brain was telling me. Honestly, I was thinking the same thing, but I think I was only thinking about that one single reception up the middle yeah maybe it's the maybe it's the deep interception that miller maybe could have caught but it would have been a heck of a catch bad bad throw Mm. by Foles. uh it wasn't a great throw or or the or the deep over route that Foles again maybe he just missed it by a hair maybe miller could have laid out an extra two inches who knows but i mean if that hasn't been the bears whole dadgum season like Mm -hmm. fourth and nine just like it left every bears fan literally if you were like me anyways will saying we're really going for this like, I felt better about two field goals than I did a fourth and nine conversion, <laughs> which that's where we're at. <laughs> Honestly, where I go with it is go, I just say, what? go ahead. Go ahead. Just do it. I, whatever. I don't, I don't even care what happens. Show just me do something. it. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Well, we are past time for a sponsor break, so we will step aside in a hurry so that our sponsors, we don't keep them waiting too long. Guys, jump on in. And we are back. I'm Robert Schmitz here with the one and only Whiskey Ranger, Will Robinson, here from Windy City Gridiron to talk, continue talking through this Vikings-Bears game. And, Will, I mean, I, I wish that I could say, you know, we're entering a, the buy on a high note, but I don't think the note could be any lower. Like, especially given that Nagy pulled out, you know, like the BFG, if you will. He pull, he hit the red button, you know. He sounded the emergency lights. He gave up play calling, which, if you've heard me on Twitter, I've been pretty heavy-handed about Nagy giving up play calling, primarily mm-hmm. because when you've got a head coach whose whole gig is the offense, he's actively said he doesn't do defense. And you come away from a Titans game in which the play calling, honestly, my big verdict was that almost none of it got run. It's like complaining about a baseball pitcher's pitch selection when 60% of his pitches were meatballs and then suddenly saying that you're going to change out the catcher to get better pitch selection, and you're like, just throw the pitches you meant to throw the first time. I don't know. I don't even know if it'll work, but it's almost irrelevant. Either way, he switches the play caller and so little changes. It's kind of stark. Like this is a, this is a weird, maybe even scary moment to like, I would imagine for Matt Nagy and the rest of the coaching staff who just fired a ton of the primary actors, quote unquote, in Harry Heastand and uh, Mark Helfrich. 
and things have only gotten worse. So I can only imagine what the next two weeks are going to be like in Hellas Hall. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where you look at it and you just have to say it's a team game and it took everybody working together to lose this one. And it's just, it's a combination of bad play calling, bad situational awareness, and horrible execution. Which, actually, the offensive line didn't look bad most of the night. So I don't want to pin it on them. They had the occasional goof up. Sure. Like sure. Uh, like Jermaine Fady getting fooled on that blitz. But to hang it on them the same way that I think they earned it against Tennessee, and yes. to an extent New Orleans, is it's not fair. Like, they were actually moving people in the run game. They were creating some space. Maybe not a ton, but some. And they seemed to be giving Foles... I mean, I'll have to go back and watch the film, just like you will, but they seem to be giving him some kind of, like, pocket to throw to. This was this was just a bad, bad game hmm. against a Vikings defense that, if I'm not mistaken, they're not that great. No, they're Certainly really they're not. they're missing... What is it? They're, aren't they missing their top four corners? Uh... You know what? I honestly have no idea. What I do know is they're they're giving up something like 412 yards a game, something along those lines, and the Bears only put up what 150. Uh, let me take a look. I've got the stats pulled up. Doing some quick math, it looks like they have. Uh, oh gosh, Nick Foles had 106 passing yards. Mm. Bray picked up 18 more for a total of 108 yards. The Bears rushed for a sum whopping total of 41 yards. That's 2.4 yards per carry. <laughs> in case you were curious, uh, they they received 124, but that doesn't really count because they only threw for. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Will, that's. That's not even 150 yards, yeah. like, like of total offense. It's 149, if my math's right. That's yeah, ho- yeah. that's <laughs> atrocious. That's God. that is yeah. That is not 2020 modern football. Let's put it that way. And on top of that, the Vikings were allowing I want to say 29 points per game, leading into this <laughs> game. Not today, they didn't. Nope, <laughs> they haven't played the Bears yet. Yeah, I mean. This is, it's a level of ineptitude that I struggle to quantify. Like, I could throw a bunch of fun, positive words out or something. I guess I could try. (laughs) But what we have done to make the Rams defense, credit to them, they really are that good. But we went out and made Tennessee look like world beaters, and then they got their world beat against uh, Indianapolis immediately afterwards. Yeah, no, Tennessee's not the Vikings. Yeah, we made the Vikings defense look outstanding mm-hmm. here. And their offense, it's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. I mean, it's the lifeblood of their team. Yeah. But their defense is not that good. And there we were, looking like the same team we did against Tennessee, this time at home. And uh, I I really don't know where else to go from here besides starting over. Like, that's the struggle some part, right? I'm... I like to think I'm fairly slow to criticize upper management and head coaching. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll comment here and there, but I don't know. Like, I'm not in the interviews. I don't know who's late to practice. I don't know what it's like to run an install. So, while I know everybody likes to go, no, 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 our players are super good. It's got to be coaching. It's it's performances exactly like this week that make me so slow to criticize play calling because switching play callers didn't do anything. Like... We got, what, three yards off of Patterson's first, like, gimmicky uh, zone read. And then the next one, we lost a yard. We had a third and five in field goal range where we lost four yards. I mean, it was the same stuff. And I 
I don't know how to walk away from this besides taking the avenue of, hey, Roquan Smith, he's developing. Bilal Nichols looks like a really solid one-gapping defensive lineman, like starting to look for the positive moments just like I did throughout the entire John Fox era. And even the fact that I put that two and two together is so heartbreaking given where we were in 2018 that it feels so sad that our season will might be over and we're not even at December yet. We're not even at late November. We didn't make it to Thanksgiving. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not sure my liver can handle the rest of this season, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, by the way, don't forget the two Wildcat plays. Those were, those were just fantastic. They were oh, yeah. Easily I mean, the highlight of my night. You know, it was funny because when I first saw that, it actually reminded me of 2018. I was like, at least we're trying something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at least, at least we're not doing the same basic vanilla boring that gets us whipped every single time i mean maybe i'm taking things out of context but i think if there's one player whose impact can't be overstated on this offense it's Tariq cohen Mm -hmm. who as much as he's maligned for being the best inside runner on the team that's a fact by the way you go back to 2019 i don't know if you know this uh, Tariq cohen had four and a half yards per carry up the middle which was the best inside runner of the uh of the team according to sharp football. So in the world of like, why did Nagy keep running up the middle? That's why. But his ability to make plays in space is something the bears so obviously miss that our offense looks completely toothless without it. I mean, it's baffling. Yeah, I agree to the point where I found it kind of, kind of odd that they didn't use Lamar Miller more from what I saw. He looked, he looked fine. He didn't look like he was struggling. He didn't look like he was out of wind. He looked like he had a good first step. And, I mean, he kind of, look, he's not the same kind of player as Tariq Cohen. But the skill sets do kind of overlap. You know, he's a fast guy. He's got a quick first step. He's got a, a nice first cut. And you get him open in space and he can do a lot of damage. And they just, they didn't use him. They insisted on using Cordero Patterson, who, he's explosive, and he's a big guy, so he can bowl people over on occasion, but he's more of sort of a shimmy runner. He's got kind of that... He doesn't cut. He more just subtly changes direction on you. And mm-hmm. he, that doesn't get he it done much can't line. change direction. Yeah. <laughs> like, not in a... I don't mean that in a negative way. It's more like when he gets moving forward, he, he, he can't even stop himself. Yeah. So he can just tilt, you know? Mm-hmm. Like backbreaker football on the iPhone from a while ago. <laughs> yeah, he just sort of leans into a turn, and he's—I mean, he's got—he's got a nice shimmy. I'll—I'll I'll give him that. But no, he's not cutting. He like whenever you see him try to do an outside run, and you see him sort of try and cut to the inside, it seems to take forever. <laughs> he sort of like stutter steps five or six different times, and then sort of changes direction. It's—it's it's, no, just no. <laughs> and you know, I used to be upset at him like Cordero Patterson Mm -hmm. until I realized just how out of position he is. Like we're basically asking Devin Hester to play running back. And to be clear on what I'm saying, I am putting two and two together on the amount of route running mistakes Cordero Patterson makes due to misreading the defense and the amount of vision related mistakes he makes due to running the ball. And I'm just drawing the conclusion that Cordero Patterson might be an athlete more than he is like in a football IQ player. And that's okay. You have those on a football team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we're we're asking a guy 
who is an athletic change of pace option. I mean, think about it. What did New England, who always has like five starting caliber running backs that they rotate through, none of them super good, but all of them fresh, uh, what did they use him as? They used him as a 50 carry guy, which is none, which is just not that many carries, you know? Uh, today, he was our running back number one. And Ryan Nall got more snaps than, what was it, Lamar Miller? Like, Nall got a carry. Nall is down for a reception. Nall got some snaps. Not Miller. And I don't know why, like you're talking about. I also couldn't tell you, Will, why in the world the Jets and the Bengals are out there scooping up offensive linemen that they may not be good, but at least they're backup tier. And here we are starting Rashad Coward. I couldn't tell you, but it's what we're doing, you know? Yeah, it's watching how this team has responded to injury and how this team has just ignored trying to go after solutions to those injuries or just you know, just even stop gaps out on the free agent market or in the trade market or anything it's it's maddening and yeah you don't <laughs> it makes no sense to call up Lamar Miller and have Cordero Patterson be your lead back i mean Lamar Miller didn't get a single carry not a single carry in this game and the one play where it looked like he was going to get a carry turned out being, you know, play action pass to him, but he looked good on it. Like his first step was great. He hit the, well, it's not really a hole, but he hit the outside nice and quick. <laughs> he hit the pretend hole. Yeah. It's like, he looked good. And then they're just like, nah, nah take a seat, kid. You're fine. We're going to run with a hey, good one. We're going to run with Cordell Patterson for the rest of the game. Well, <laughs> We'll see if you've earned enough snaps for next week, kid. Yeah. Ride the bench for now. <laughs> this is I mean, crazy. Oh, yeah. It, it's wild. And, and and it leaves you just asking questions, right? Yeah. Like, I can't say Laser abandoned the run. What I can say is the Bears ran less plays in this game than I think I've seen them run all season, where it looks like they ran less than 50. 60 is extremely normal for any football team, but we ran 50 plays. We had some of the weirder plays I've seen this season, like Cole Kmet picking off a Nick Foles pass, which was unexpected. Yeah. Uh, we, we had our punt return specialist muff a punt, so that was great. I mean, uh, at, least we did, at least we didn't have a receiver fight somebody, so we can book that one down in positive. Step in the right but, direction, and on the plus side, Anthony Miller didn't look too bad returning punts. Right. I mean, it, it's such a weird game because I guess, Will, that I could talk about how, like, the offensive line looked like a professional offensive line, albeit still not a great one. Yeah, except on you know? third down, but yeah. Uh, but, like, a whole bunch of people on this team took a step forward and ultimately amounted to exactly nothing different mm-hmm. compared to last week. Maybe six points if you wanted to be very technical, but that might as well not be much in today's NFL. And it definitely leaves me very very morbid on the 2020 season and looking ahead towards 2021 muttering to myself over and over almost chanting will that in today's nfl you can fix a franchise in just two seasons it's like i'm holding on to that (laughs) mantra as if maybe if we make a change maybe if we draft a quarterback maybe if we throw a bunch of picks at the offensive line maybe if we followed up with the solid offseason afterwards and stay like resource hungry and so on and so forth that like we could become maybe not a Super Bowl contender, but at least like a well-built offensive powerhouse that's ready for this new age of the NFL where you're allowed to hold as much as you want 
<laughs> it takes the world's most egregious <laughs> holds to get called. I mean, it's it's like a brave new world for this defense where I almost feel like just to finally give you something to say because I feel like i got to let you get a word in. I'm so sorry. I almost feel like Roger Goodell and the NFL officiating owe the Bears like a $70 million refund for Robert Quinn because if they had known that you could just hold like crazy, they probably would never would have paid for him because it completely has cut his speed rush down. doesn't help that he's kind of lost a step. You get the idea. But it is rough watching this defense play the way that it does because you can tell the pass rush has major steam taken out of it when Khalil Mack is basically gasping for holding calls after every single play. And they're not not holds, but they're legal now, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, technically they're not legal, but they may as well be. <laughs> But if it isn't called, is it really illegal? Yeah, yeah, true. The the bear shits in the woods. Is it really whatever? (laughs) Right. What? Let Let's close it out this way. Obviously, can we agree this was bad game? Oh, it was terrible game. Bad game. Uh, what do you want to see from the rest of the season? Oh God. (laughs) Honestly, I just want to see execution at this point. I just want to see. Everybody on the offense execute a play all at the same time. Because so often what we're seeing is one unit executes a play and then, say, a receiver drops a pass or Nick Foles sails a ball. And then you'll see a receiver come open, Nick Foles makes the read, but then he's got a guy in his face because Bobby Massey lets a guy run right past him. So at this point, I'm just hoping for execution and progression, but that might be... (laughs) Hoping against hope, I guess. <laughs> I totally understand. I-, I think if I was going to look for what I want to see for the rest of the season, I'll start with the obvious. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Like, True. sure, True. we can make fun of we can we can make fun of the ride riding the folder coaster, and it was a ride going from interception to actually pretty nice throw to Allen Robinson to missing Jimmy Graham on the back shoulder to actually also another pretty nice throw to Cordero Patterson, you know. But seeing him go down like he did, where he needed to get carted off the field and seemed to not move, very reminiscent of Brett Favre uh, back with like his end in a Vikings uniform, like that sucked. Yeah, that was and I'll. I'll never, I'll never act like that was any any good because it's not. No, and no. the the fact that he was behind that offensive line and the fact that it frankly didn't happen sooner is almost surprising. But even so, still super sad. But the point is, going forward, I would love to see personal growth. So guys like whether it's uh, Darnell Mooney or David Montgomery or Alan Robinson or especially Anthony Miller linemen like Charles Leno as silly as that sounds or Jermaine Afedi or Cody Whitehair even when he gets back in the game steps forward from personal players defensive players continuing to ascend Bilal Nichols is coming into his own Roquan Smith needs no introduction at this point Jalen Johnson is refining his craft in a hurry he's looking great it's almost like he's started to enter his sophomore slump a little little bit as a rookie and if that's true and we can get like third year Jalen Johnson in his second year I'd love it but the point is I think I'm hitting the point where and I can't believe I'm saying this but I'm I'm gonna try to be brave Will I'm gonna try to say I'm here for you if the Bears want to win out I'm cool with it that's fine and if the Bears want to lose out or not want to but if they do I'm cool with that too because there are advantages to each. One's a playoff run, one's a better draft pick, and a better shot at resetting the franchise. All I think I want to see is that they don't do the middle thing. 
you know, that they don't beat the Lions and, and beat the Vikings and, and lose to the Packers and then lose the Packers again. And oh, they lost to the Jaguars, too, but they did beat the Texans. Hooray, they're eight and eight, you know, like it. That, I think, is the nightmare. That's what I don't want to see. I would rather them totally bottom out with no quarterback or Mitch not playing super well because I don't think he's going to bring a huge boost. No, it's it's awful to say. I don't love saying it as a fan, but trying to be realistic with what is this six quarterbacks that look competent in this class, the higher you can get up, the better. And I think the bears could use the draft slots and I hate tanking. I'm not a tank pro tank person, but this offense looks like it might do the tanking for us at this point. And you know, you, when you look at it that way, if at least we can get some clear answers about how our leadership is, both in head coach and the front office and everything in between, maybe maybe that's better than leaving the season in a murky cloud of not knowing. Yeah. I <clears throat> excuse me. I understand exactly what you're saying. Um, I mean, it's it's rough to look at because, yeah, you don't want them to go, you know, like 8-8 eight and eight and just be stuck in NFL purgatory. It's so yeah. You would almost rather watch them either tank or win out. It's like I'm I'm never gonna be somebody who roots for a tank either, just because uh, it's really bad for my emotional sanity. <laughs> and we wait things. too long for football, you know. Yes, like it's too fun to wish away. <laughs> Gosh, unless you're EJ, and I only say that because I swear EJ Snyder, Jacob Infante, and the rest of our Windy City Gridiron draft picks that are so good at what they do, it's it's like that off season is is the season. Yeah, you know they almost enjoy but, it more than actually watching the game. But I mean, we love. I, I I'm gonna lump you in with me. I assume we love in season football. Assume away. The idea that it it ends soon is sad. Yeah, but but I also don't know what the other option is. You know, like. Who can we beat? The Jaguars? Neat. The Texans? Maybe. They've got a decent offense. Because it's starting to look like the Bears can make even the worst defenses look pretty doggone good. And especially if, I understand some people are going to disagree with me, especially if Nick Foles isn't the quarterback, then it won't surprise me if we're going to get that same erraticness at quarterback back in terms of accuracy. I don't think that's going to make a ton better. And sure, we'll get some scrambles here and there, but as a reminder, Mitch against the Falcons scored a lot less than Foles did. I, you get the idea. Like we don't, It's almost like we don't even need to have this conversation because we've been down the Trubisky road. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I really don't know what to look for here because the offense is losing bodies in a, in a hurry. In a hurry. And they just lost the quarterback who's supposed to be the stabling force. And the only positive in that is that I guess he won't hit some of his escalators and the Bears get to keep some money in their pocket, but that's the most morbid way you could possibly look at that. Yeah. uh, It's, I mean, it's rough. It's really, really rough because look, as Bears fans, we want this team to do well. We all do, but they're just not very good. And without say, at least one or two defensive scores, I don't see this team really competing with any decent teams. So, yeah, they might beat the Jaguars. They might beat the Texans, but anybody else, it's like, eh, God, I have a hard time believing they're going to beat them without defensive scores at this point because this offense just looks abysmal. 
and that's not to say that Trubisky won't just completely pull something out. You know, he's fully capable of doing that, just playing way, way, way above himself for a single game, or, well, for a single quarter anyway. But for the most part, he's probably going to lose us games. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you with kind of not hoping for a tank, but logically looking at it and saying the worse they do, the better off they're going to be in terms of finding a quarterback. You know, maybe they can swing a Trey Lance. And I, I don't know if he works out. <laughs> with our luck, he'll wind up being the next Trubisky. Because let's face it, he has at least a little bit in common with Mitch Trubisky. Oh, for sure. If, if there's one... So I just watched a bunch of Trey Lance. Actually, surprisingly enough, I could talk about him a little bit. Uh, what I will say, Will, that has really taken me aback... Like, as I've looked around this NFL, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the 2020 NFL. One thing that has really started to speak to me is the value of mobility in a quarterback. Yeah. That it's a big deal. Like, Kyler Murray, you could... I could curse him with an outright bad arm, and he's still a good quarterback. Because he's so unbelievably quick on his feet that he's nigh untackable in the right moment. Well, that, and and he can just slip through play. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he's two foot seven I mean, as well, so you can't really grab the guy you can't reach down to right. get him <laughs> but you look at you look at a lot of these guys and what i could point to you about trey lance trey lance runs like a slimmer slightly faster cam newton mitch trubisky for as much as we've talked about his accuracy i this is gonna this could hurt a little bit so brace yourself i was looking it up guess who 2018 mitch trubisky best resembles who would that be go ahead and guess it's blake bortles Ugh. blake bortles Blake Bortles had 400 yards rushing every single year of his career. Did you know that? Uh, mm -hmm. 20, 2017 and 2019, Mitch Trubisky, less than that. Bortles was actually a better rusher. I don't think any of us remember Bortles being fast. Do you? I don't think he's fast, but he's more. He's kind of athletic, though. He's not unathletic. Sure. He can sure. move. He's like Mitch Trubisky. A bit. He's a bit. He's somebody that can take advantage of the fact that when when everybody goes deep, the quarterback can scramble and pick up some easy yards. There's nothing wrong with that. My my personal quarterback in college, Charlie Brewer, that's like his whole game. Is It's not that in a zone read, he's going to smoke somebody. It's not that in a one-on-one -on -one foot race with a linebacker, either Mitch Trubisky, like getting back to the point, Mitch Trubisky is going to beat that NFL linebacker. But when left totally open, sure, he can make a play in space. When you look at Trey Lance, the best thing you can say is that his feet should translate to at least plus running in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And that's that's not huge. I'm not about to say, like, draft him. That's it. That's all you needed at quarterback. But, man, have we learned the value of mobility with Nick Foles or what? Like, yeah. if you don't have a top five offensive line, you can't work with these immobile guys. Like, I don't mean that as any some sort of what like non compliment. Like I'm not trying to rake over rake Nick Foles over the coals, but Drew Brees' offensive line is amazing. Tom Brady's offensive line is amazing, and they knew that. Like Philip Rivers' offensive line is very very good. These teams that had these immobile older quarterbacks, they knew what they were dealing with, and Ryan Pace still said, "Nah, nah, that offensive line's fine. Like we're good." Yeah. Yeah, it's. I said this on Twitter earlier, but you will never convince me that Nick Foles has actual human legs and not some form of peg legs underneath those pads. 
just because he does not run like a human being runs. I've never seen anybody that slow and just lopey before. <laughs> he runs like a giraffe. It's insane to watch. And plus, tonight, they kept rolling him out, which normally I'm a big fan of. I think you need to have that, you know, have a moving pocket, get guys outside of the pocket and get, you know, close down half the field, simplify reads for a struggling quarterback. But, God, Nick Foles looks terrible outside of the pocket. And he looks, honestly, even worse in the pocket when he has pressure. Oh, yeah. I mean... The whole thing has totally fallen apart. I know I was seeing this. uh, I saw some college coach talk the other day about like, what are the problems in an offense? Well, one of them can be a selfish team. But the one that really spoke to me was trust, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing, but to be corny for a second, this offense doesn't look like it trusts each other. Nick Foles doesn't look like he trusts his offensive line. David Montgomery has never looked like he trusts his offensive line. And the receivers don't look like they trust their quarterback. Like, we could go through the whole gamut of positions, but they don't play like a unit. Like, let's take the Saints. They don't play like a unit that knows it can run one play with Taysom Hill, and that's that one where the guard pulls around and, like, paves the road for Taysom to just run through a gap. Mm -hmm. Well, they can run that all they want because they trust each other to pull it off even when the defense knows it's coming. This Bears offense, they, they probably feel like if they totally bamboozle the other team, they're still going to blow it somehow. And their fourth down conversion rate suggests that might be true. I mean, it's it's like watching failure. I think you said that earlier. Like, this is the personification of failure and yeah. in one offense. And it's, it's backbreaking as a fan if we hadn't been here before. Yeah. Like, Bears fans cheering for the defense of the special teams to score? Been down this road. It sucks. Yeah, well, been here for, what, 25 years at least? So it's, no, you're you're absolutely right. It None of it, none of them feel like they trust each other, and they have very good reason not to. That offensive line is wholly untrustworthy. And it's not that, like, even now, it's not that any one piece is terrible every play. It's that they're all terrible on different plays, so someone's always screwing up somewhere. And they did look decent in this game. I don't want to make out that they didn't. But it's that's where that mistrust of your offensive line comes from with Nick Foles or David Montgomery. And a big thing with David Montgomery, too, is I don't think he trusts himself either. It's not just the offensive line. He doesn't trust himself to hit that edge. He doesn't think he has enough speed, or I'm not sure whether, you know, what he's doing, whether he's just picking a hole pre-snap based on the defensive alignment and then just heading straight for it but he's definitely not running an outside zone like you need to be running an outside zone in order for it to be effective so yeah it's i mean no there's there's very little trust going on there and you can't blame him not one bit even cordero patterson ran that outside zone better like you could see it couldn't you yeah where it was like hey that that actually makes sense yeah, and he's like, that's probably how that's supposed to get run and he's not even very good at it <laughs> Like, David Montgomery, (laughs) I think, would actually be pretty good at it. You don't have to be that fast to run an outside zone. Jordan Howard ran outside zone really well. And if you... 
if you want to go back, like you will or any Bears fans, like you could make a comparison to the Bears outside zone and Jordan Howard's outside zone. They are night and day. And it's not just the blocking. No. Part of it's the way that Howard runs it. Like he takes that handoff full sprint sideways mm-hmm. because he knows he has to book it to the edge or he's not going to get there, you know? But if you go back and watch the 2017 game against the Steelers, I'm sure you remember that one, or the Falcons, there are some great examples of really good outside zone running in there that I feel like Montgomery can emulate. But heck, I don't know. Because here we've been for 10 weeks now. And when Montgomery gets a handoff, well, technically not, because Montgomery didn't play today. Yeah. But whenever Montgomery gets a handoff, he cuts that thing straight up almost from the snap. And as neat as that is that he grinds out two, three yards – there's a point where you almost just want to test that edge because two, three yards of carry is basically an incompletion in the modern day NFL. And if we didn't have Mr. Mr. 6.1 yards per attempt, Nick Foles himself, that might not be so bad, but we do. So then what? Yeah. See Montgomery, he breaks it inside so immediately and so consistently that early on in the season, I had this little conspiracy theory going on where I thought that they weren't really running an outside zone. They were running outside zone blocking, but they were calling a hole. So they were giving him a primary read to go to and then saying, well, if that's not there, then, you know, cut it back. But it, <laughs> yeah, that's how much he, that's how much he just abhors running outside is that he literally made me think that they're not actually running an outside zone. Like I literally put on a tinfoil hat and went, wait a minute. It's bizarre, right? Yeah, it's really strange. I don't think I've ever quite seen it before. Also, by the way, just a tidbit for anybody who's made it this far in the podcast, I'm I'm borderline incensed because it's just coming to my attention that the Vikings posted a tweet that showed Nick Foles on the turf that says bear comma down. And given the way that the game ended, uh. I understand that they're showing him they're showing him post a sack, but even so, that seems like crossing over a line to me, and I'm surprised they did that, in my opinion. Like, that seems pretty disrespectful. Yeah, that's, no, that's really not classy. But, hey, divisional rivalry. Uh, I don't know. Will, it has been absolutely awesome having you on. What are the chances that we've got uh, at least a couple more, like just one plays or something on the or something in the works related to the Bears? Do do you have any analysis in mind? In mind right now, not really. I'm about six beers deep, so my analysis is eh, a little bit questionable. So I like like I always do whenever I have the time to make a video. That's when I make them. So if I have time, I'll make something. Hey, it'd be super fun. I I don't want to press you too much. I just love the way you edit because you do a really, really great job. Yeah, get off my back, Will. Come on. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, especially your one-stop shop work. It's nothing short of outstanding. (laughs) And I remember at one point you walked me through how you made one of them, like in the back when I was still a Windy City commenter, and I was like, I don't know what any of this is. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I did Photoshop. I don't have Photoshop. (laughs) You flatter me, sir. Hey, you do a great job. Will, where can folks find you online? Uh, you can find me at Whiskey Ranger 29 on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at Just Plain Whiskey Ranger on YouTube for the rare occasion when I actually post something. 
Hey, it, it's awesome whenever you do. Will, thanks so much for jumping on. It's a pleasure having you. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And folks, that's going to do it for this week's show. If you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me over on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. And be sure to follow Whiskey Ranger or Will Robinson at his Twitter handle he mentioned earlier. It's been a tough season so far, Bears fans, but we'll get through it together. We've got some great content planned for you this bye week. And hopefully the Bears will get right back on track with a win against the Green Bay Packers as they return to action in two weeks' time. Until then, though, Bears fans, I'm Robert Schmitz, and thank you so much for bearing with me.